Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Deeper Daily Podcast for the fourth day of January. This is Paul, and we are in the book of Mark. Today, we will actually begin reading the Gospel of Mark. Uh, I hope that you, if it's been a while since you've read the Gospel of Mark, you'll take some time and start to work through it over the next few days or weeks. It won't take that long, only 16 chapters long. In some ways, Mark might be the easiest to read in that it is just straightforward. There's not there's not even a, a lot of talking. Jesus is moving around and operating and functioning. And, the, and then, of course, when you get to the cross, it's a quite spectacular glimpse at what happens at Calvary. Before we read any verses, I want one more shot at sort of rounding out this introductory thought about Mark. And that's addressing what is pretty obvious when you study any ancient text that is written in another language than the one you are accustomed to, that obvious thing is that you're going to have difficulties. You're going to to have translation errors, but you're also going to have interpretive difficulties. What do we do with Mark? What do we do with this literary type? Because there's a question that's occupied scholars, especially the last couple hundred years, and that is what literary type is the gospel of Mark? Now, that might not seem like much of a question, but it is. It's important because that gives you the context for interpreting the different elements, the individual elements inside that gospel. Like, for instance, some scholars think that the gospels themselves are a unique type of literature that correspond uniquely to the Christian message, and therefore they don't really need an outside comparison. Uh, That then allows us to interpret the gospels through their own individual lens rather than comparatively anal- analyzing them across you know, other pieces of Greek literature. Other scholars and historians think that the Gospels are comparable and they should be compared to other biographies, that they are basically bio-literature. So what you should do is look at Roman biographies from the era and Greek biographies from the era and then compare the way that the literary work happens in the Gospels. Um, interesting. Um, maybe, maybe you find that interesting. I kind of find that interesting. The the Gospels, however, differ from biographies, mostly in this way. And Mark is very much falls into this category. The way that they emphasize the last days of Jesus. Mark, because he has no nativity, because he has no genealogy, because he doesn't even have Jesus' childhood, Jesus is introduced at Age 30, boom, here we go. And 16 chapters later, we're done. And the cross occupies a significant chunk. So we have this very fast-paced story that is predominantly the last days of Jesus. And someone once said that the Gospels, Mark particularly, is is essentially a passion narrative with a long introduction. Whether that be the case or not, here is something unique to Mark. Mark situates his gospel, the very beginning of his gospel, in the Old Testament. He starts by quoting an Old Testament passage from the book of Isaiah. And since you start by grounding this sketch in Old Testament, one of the interpretive flags there, then, is that you might be trying to reimagine an Old Testament-style story. And one Old Testament book, story in particular, that Mark lines his narrative up with is the book of Exodus. 
Exodus is a a covenant document. The main point of Exodus is how covenant was inaugurated under the leadership of Moses. That corresponds to the Gospels, and certainly in the death of Jesus, uh, the shed blood of the new covenant, um, the 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 Redeemer, the new sort of a neo Moses, a, a Moses two point um, just as Exodus gives these signs and wonders, Mark gives all these signs and wonders, this sort of legislation of the covenant God. Um, so that's an interesting narrative uh, possibility. And you, I hope you see that as you read Mark, and as you hear about Mark, is that you see some of these comparisons. Mark chapter 1, verse 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, I am quite fond of Mark's opening, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The reason I'm fond of that opening is you talk about no fat, no waste of time. Here is the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We aren't messing around. Um, no, and, and not that not that the nativity is messing around, but I mean, we don't just get to the story of Jesus. We get to the gospel of Jesus. This is a term from that era that was first used in secular Greek. It's a political or personal reporting, sort of a correspondence word. That literally means good news. And when the Greeks used it, they used it for events like the birth of an emperor, a major military victory. So Mark is using a contemporary secular word that was predominantly used for Caesar and opens the first book of the of in chronologically, the first book of the New Testament, book of Mark. And he opens it by hijacking a secular word and assigning that word to Jesus. Not just Jesus, Jesus Christos, Jesus the Savior, the anointed one. And then he doubles down. You see, Caesar had, had been proclaimed to be bearer of good news. Caesar, the king is here. The emperor is here. That was the good news according to Rome. Caesar claimed to be the son of God. As early as Caesar Augustus, he claimed to be the divine son of a God. For Mark to open his gospel with the beginning of the good news, the gospel of Jesus, the anointed one, the son of God. The beginning of the good news is Jesus is divine. Jesus is anointed. Jesus is eternal. It's not all of the good news, but it's the beginning of the good news. And it's a great place to start. We go into Mark's Old Testament footing tomorrow. See you then. God bless.